Hail and welcome to A's for Agrimony, coffee-stained notes on witchcraft. I am Margot, friendly book goblin and coffee fiend, and we are coming to the end of August. September is fast approaching, and with it comes fall, my absolute favorite season of the year, which should be no surprise, I suppose. Uh, but before we get there, we have a very special blue supermoon in Pisces. Um, I wrote down pieces, but it's Pisces. Coming on Wednesday, August 30th at 9.36 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to be precise. So it's a blue moon. It's a super moon. The largest of the super moons this year, in fact. And as I've explained in a couple past episodes, this is considered a blue moon because it is the second full moon to appear in one month, which only takes place roughly every two and a half years. And it's a super moon because of the moon's proximity to Earth compared to other full moons, making it appear larger and brighter in the sky. Both of these special conditions are said to amplify the energies of the moon, making it a very opportune time to practice spell work that can benefit from this extra surge of power, so to speak. For example, manifestation or intuitive work like divination or dream work. And it also amplifies the energies of the moon's placement, which will be in the sign of the deep and watery Pisces. So let's take a look at what this might bring during that time. The first major theme that is coming with this blue supermoon in Pisces is concerned with the realm of dreams, visions, and meditations. Because divine downloads, messages from guides or ancestors, and even a spike in intuitive or psychic abilities are to be expected. Be sure to pay attention and write things down if you want to remember them for later. The way to manifesting your dreams may just be revealing themselves at this time. Next is uh, the emotional drain that might possibly come with this lunation. Remember that Pisces, ruled by Neptune, is the master of illusion and can sometimes cause us to believe the thoughts that creep into our minds and hurt our feelings from time to time. Not nice. But it can also provide us with an opportunity to examine these thoughts, understand them, and strip them of their power over us. Just remember to breathe and take a pause before acting from a place of hurt. Which brings me to another theme that we may notice or feel, and that is of forgiveness. Very important, and we'll talk about why. The water element ruling over Pisces is certainly going to help us find our sense of compassion, and this may result in the forgiveness of the wrongdoings of others. But I think it's really important to focus on self-forgiveness if there is a reason to harbor any feelings of guilt or shame for past events or actions. Before we can learn to forgive others, we must learn to forgive ourselves. And as for the forgiveness of others, I am a strong believer in forgiveness not being absolutely necessary all the time when it comes to others, but extremely important when it comes to our own selves. I don't think that forgiveness and hugging it out and making up with others who have done us wrong have a whole lot to do with each other, as a matter of fact, because it's a process that takes place in our own hearts. And it's a process of self-healing that really affects just us alone. Because you can forgive someone without them ever even knowing it if forgiveness but also boundaries is the best way to move forward. Because I think it's actually harmful to succumb to the pressure to forgive others 
when you're simply not ready or not truly feeling a sense of forgiveness in your heart just yet. Because then you're just forcing yourself or convincing yourself for the sake of others or even being insincere about your own true feelings. No, forgiveness comes when it comes, if it comes. It is a beautiful and sacred thing. But remember, it's okay if it comes slowly or not at all. What's important is to honor your feelings, move slowly towards healing in the way that works for you, and forgive yourself if you just can't get there right away. But when it comes to others, kindness and firm boundaries may be the way to move forward. And that's okay. But if you find yourself truly wanting to put the past behind you, offer forgiveness, and start a new chapter with an individual, then that's absolutely wonderful also. Brava to you either way. Okay, so the next major theme coming into play with this super blue moon in Pisces is, of course, manifestation. The full moon is traditionally seen as a time of culmination, fruition, or the fullness of power. So if you've started planting the seeds or paving the road towards your dreams and desires, now is a time to reap some of these benefits. However, if you're only just coming to the conclusion that you know what you want and want to begin working towards it, it's still an amazing time to set your sights on your dreams and get some magic on your side. Just remember, magic works best when it has something in the physical realm to influence. So work your spells, but also make some real world efforts towards your goals at the same time for the absolute best results. It's also a great time to take a look at your progress so far. If you've already been working towards an important goal, see how far you've come, examine what has worked and which efforts have fallen a little flat, and make some tweaks to future efforts, directing these big manifestation energies in the right direction. And finally, a little self-care is in order. Well, it's always in order, but it may be very much needed when this big old moon comes your way. I mentioned earlier that Neptune's influence can cause us to fall under illusions and may cause us to get a little down on ourselves. And I also mentioned that the watery energies that rule this moon can help us dig into our powers of compassion. Now might be the time to direct that compassion inward. Treat yourself to a few hours of doing what makes you happy. Uh, give yourself a compliment or spend time with people who make you feel loved and appreciated. Whatever it is to help you really bloom into self-love, do that. This full moon calls for a little celebration of the self in the most nurturing way possible. So just enjoy it. All right. Let's talk about grimoires and the Book of Shadows. Because that is the meat of this whole episode that I totally forgot to talk about in the beginning. <laughs> so grimoires and the Book of Shadows, what are they exactly? How do they differ from one another? How are some ways we as practitioners keep our own versions of these and why should we? And finally, how can we get started on our own personal books, no matter what we decide to refer to them as? So let's start with grimoires because they have a historical context as well as a personal one. So what is a grimoire? A grimoire is a type of book or manual that contains instructions, rituals, spells, and magical knowledge. Grimoires are typically associated with the practice of Western occultism, witchcraft, and ceremonial magic. And these books may often claim to provide instructions for performing rituals, invoking spirits, casting spells, and creating talismans or charms for various purposes, such as divination, protection, healing, and achieving personal goals. 
The word grimoire is believed to be derived from the old French term grammaire, which originally referred to a book of Latin grammar, but over time came to denote a book of magical instruction. Grimoires have a long history dating back to medieval and renaissance periods when interest in esoteric knowledge and mysticism was on the rise. And there are many famous historical grimoires that we can still procure and study today. Some of these notably include the Key of Solomon, which is arguably one of the most well-known grimoires attributed to King Solomon. It provides instructions for summoning and controlling spirits, as well as creating magical tools and amulets. The Lesser Key of Solomon, which is a compilation of several grimoires, including the notorious Ars Goetia, which lists descriptions and instructions for summoning demons and spirits. Um, the Book of Abramelin, which is a grimoire that focuses on achieving communication with one's holy guardian angel and gaining control over spiritual forces for personal development. The Picatrix is a medieval Arabic book of astrology and magic that was translated into Latin. It covers a wide range of magical practices, including astrology, talismanic magic, and herbalism. Uh, the Grimoire of Pope Honorius, which is an 18th century grimoire attributed to Pope Honorius III and contains rituals, prayers, and invocations for various magical purposes. The Magus, which is a grimoire you might have heard of if you read Alice Hoffman's Practical Magic series, particularly The Rules of Magic and The Book of Magic. Vincent, who is the brother to Aunt Jet and Franny, and the grandfather of Sally and Jillian Owens, spends a lot of time reading and learning from this book, sometimes to his detriment. It is a real grimoire, actually, that is a compendium of magical knowledge translated and compiled by Francis Barrett and published in 1801. It contains selections from Cornelius Agrippa's third and fourth books of occult philosophy, uh, the Heptameron of Peter and Abano, the writings of Zoroaster, Apollonius, and many other early magicians. And Together in one volume, the Magus became one of the most sought-after occult books of the 19th and 20th centuries, influencing occultist Eliphas Levi and the practices of the Fraternal Order of the Golden Dawn, and remains one of the foundations for ceremonial magical practice to this day. There are many ancient, medieval, Renaissance, and modern texts available today, and if you have any interest in learning about them, I will be referencing some books that can help you on that journey at the end of this episode. It's important to note, however, that grimoires have been historically controversial and their effectiveness has been debated. They've been, throughout time, associated with practices that were considered heretical or dangerous by religious authorities, of course, um, which I find truly hilarious because just the other day I listened to an episode of the podcast Ghosts and Hoes, which touched on the Spanish Inquisition but covered the church-sanctioned cursing of an entire city in the region of Basque. Uh, it was very interesting and a very well-researched episode, and I highly recommend it. It's entitled A Pope-Sanctioned Curse. Anyway, <laughs> in modern times, grimoires continue to hold a fascination for those interested in occultism, magic, and esoteric traditions, although their use and interpretation can vary widely among different individuals and occult communities. But you can see from this list and other lists you may come across that these are simply compilations of magical information gathered over time. And there is no reason why practitioners can't do that for themselves. 
either to keep a reference guide, a collection of work and experience gathered over time as a remembrance, or as a way to pass knowledge down through a family or a coven, or to anyone who may be so blessed as to have it passed to them one day. It's a beautiful work and a creative way to record important knowledge and information for posterity. Okay, so then what is a Book of Shadows? Uh, A Book of Shadows, often abbreviated as BOS, is typically described as a personal and sacred book used within various modern witchcraft and or Wiccan traditions, and it serves as a repository of magical knowledge, rituals, spells, personal experiences, and other information related to one's spiritual and magical practices. The concept of the Book of Shadows gained prominence through the growth of Wicca and neo-paganism, particularly in the mid-20th century. And some key aspects of a Book of Shadows include magical information such as spells, rituals, invocations, correspondences, and divination methods, personal insights like reflections and insights gained through a spiritual journey and magical work, and entries that can include dreams, visions, meditations, and other forms of personal growth, Uh, recipes and formulas for creating magical oils, potions, incenses, and other tools used in rituals and spell work, research notes on various aspects of occultism, mythology, folklore, and other topics relevant to a specific person's practice, Uh, coven or tradition specifics, like specific rituals and teachings unique to that particular tradition, group, religion, family, community, or culture, Um, and even ethical guidelines or principles that guide a practitioner's behavior and approach to magic and spirituality if these things apply. The content of a Book of Shadows can vary widely, as you can see, from one practitioner to another, and since it's a personal and evolving document, there's no fixed format or rules for what it should contain. Many practitioners choose to handwrite their Book of Shadows to imbue it with their energy and intention, while others may create a digital version. Ultimately, however, the Book of Shadows is a tool for self-discovery, learning, and growth in one's magical and spiritual journey. It's a place to record knowledge, Uh, experiences, and insights that can be passed down to future generations or kept private as a personal resource. So, gathering from these two explanations, what are we seeing is the real difference between a grimoire and a book of shadows? Let's examine it. While both grimoires and books of shadows are related to magical and spiritual practices, they tend to serve different purposes and also tend to be associated with different traditions. And here are some key differences that can be extrapolated, as it were, from their defined qualities. The first is purpose and content. Purpose and content. A grimoire is a book of magical instructions, rituals, spells, and arcane knowledge. It often provides step-by-step guides for performing specific magical actions, such as summoning spirits, casting spells, and creating talismans. A Book of Shadows also can contain these topics, but also extends into a practitioner's personal experiences, rituals, spells, magical correspondences, and insights gained from their own spiritual journey. Another is tradition. 
Grimoires are generally associated with Western occultism, ceremonial magic, and historical magical practices. They often contain references to astrological symbolism, alchemical processes, and the summoning of spirits, including angels and demons, whereas Books of Shadows are closely linked to modern witchcraft, Wicca, and neo-paganism. They reflect the individual practitioner's path, beliefs, and experiences within these traditions. And then finally, there's historical context. Grimoires have a long historical lineage and have been associated with medieval and Renaissance occultism, and they were often written in Latin and other languages of the time. The concept of the Book of Shadows, however, gained prominence in the mid-20th century through the growth of Wicca and other neo-pagan movements. While influenced by historical practices, modern Books of Shadows are relatively recent development. And finally, scope. Grimoires tend to cover a broad range of magical topics and practices, including rituals for divination, protection, healing, and personal empowerment. A Book of Shadows, rather, is more personal and flexible in its content. It can include a wide range of entries from spells and rituals to personal reflections, dreams, and meditations. Honestly, a lot of it sounds like a remix of the thing that came before, which is very, very similar to how witchcraft itself has evolved over time. But to sum it up in the best way that I can, uh, a grimoire is a historical book of magical knowledge with a focus on rituals and spells, often associated with ceremonial magic and Western occultism, although any practitioner can create their own, and many have done so, whether they get published or just handed down or none of those things. On the other hand, A Book of Shadows is a much more modern concept of a personal journal of magical experiences, rituals, and insights, commonly used within neo-pagan witchcraft and folk traditions today. So from what I gather here, the truest distinction between the two lies in their historical context, their possible traditions, and the scope of their content. But in modern witchcraft and magical practice, I think the one thing that we can all agree upon is that we strike our own path and, with some exceptions, we make our own rules. And we can compile our own grimoires, books of shadows, or whatever it is that we want to call it. So I decided to take to my socials and ask for some insights from listeners and followers. And very thankfully, I got some really interesting feedback from members of the magical community that I'd like to share here. So when asked, this is the question that I posed. Do you keep a grimoire or a book of shadows? Or do you call it something entirely different? Is it mostly a collection of knowledge and spells you've encountered on your journey? Or do you treat it more like a journal? And here are the responses that I got. First, I typically use mine as more of a journal, doing shadow work, writing things down I want to remember, as well as ideas for rituals and such. I'd refer to it as a grimoire. Book of Shadows, to me, feels a bit too formal, weirdly enough. Second, I use it for a collection of my research and practices, as well as a journal and working through shadow work. Silly enough, I refer to it as my witchy journal when I ask someone to hand it to me. Third, I have a grimoire. I'll eventually write an actual Book of Shadows to share. My grimoire will pass on to my kiddo after I move on. I save so many scraps of paper and scribbled notes that's all going to get passed on someday. It's a really cool experience knowing that someday she'll be able to see my journal and growth through my eyes. Fourth, 
I have several notebooks, one for tarot, one for spell work, one for shadow work, and one for personal tarot pools. And lastly, my newest venture, Reiki, just finished level two and Akashic Records. And oh yeah, an herb notebook. It's a lot, but it's working for me at the moment. Fifth, my book of shadows is for my more involved and planned out spells. I always date them and decorate the page according to the season, moon cycle, and what the work is for. Everything else goes into a journal that I don't keep in any sort of format. So I'm so happy to be able to share these responses, and I want to thank everyone who offered their insights and perspectives because I think it's so helpful for other witches and practitioners to get an idea of what others are doing, which allows them to see that the key to this is to go your own way. And seeing how different everyone's responses are here is exactly what I think we've accomplished. Um, I love these. I love decorating the pages to indicate the the phase and the season and the timing. Um, I love having a separate notebook for each separate topic as a way of staying organized. I love having saving scraps of paper with the intention of one day creating a book to pass down to children. I love all of this so much, and I love that some of you call it witchy journals. Some of you prefer grimoire. Some of you prefer book of shadows. It really, really highlights that the most important thing here is that you're doing what works for you. Uh, which is where I was hoping I would get, and we got there. So thank you, all of you. My personal book, which I sometimes refer to as a grimoire, but more often I just refer to it as the book, (laughs) has evolved over many years and has inhabited many different types of books. I've given up and started over. I've run out of space and started over. I've destroyed the binding of one massive book and again, started over. And now I finally have what feels like the final version, which is kept in a massive leather bound and wrapped binder that allows me to remove pages, revive pages and add pages as easily as possible. It has hand-drawn illustrations in it from the very first book that I have that has been repeatedly cut and pasted into new and different versions. And it has pages that have been rewritten numerous times because this book has evolved with me. And I truly love this work of mine. And my wish for you, if you decide to start, restart, or start back up with your own, is that you develop a fondness for the process. A fondness for the finished project is, of course, the ultimate goal, but a love of the process is just as fulfilling, if I may say so. Okay, so I did a little internet digging, and for some extra fun, landed over on Llewellyn.com, where I found 10 easy ways to create a book of shadows or make an existing book of your own, as well as a spell to protect and bless your book that I'd like to share here. Uh, And then before I let you go, I have a list of reference books to help you along this journey if you want some additional assistance. Okay, so 10 easy ways to create a book of shadows or make an existing book your own. And this is from September 2021 by Deborah Blake. The first is five tips for creating your personal book of shadows. One, start with the book itself. Pick out the book that will best suit your style. This can be something as simple as a black journal or even a college-ruled notebook for those who like to have an aid to writing neatly. 
The first coven I belonged to was primarily a study group, and the high priestess who led it would actually hand out sheets filled with valuable information. My book of shadows then was a large binder, and I would punch holes in the papers she gave us and put them inside. What made it special was that I bought it from a local artist who decorated the outside with beautiful dried flowers and herbs, which seemed very appropriate. Think about what your perfect book of shadows would look like and how you would be using it and go from there. You can create one yourself if you're the crafty type or buy one designed for that purpose from a pagan or new age shop. There are a lot of beautiful blank book of shadows out there just waiting for you to fill them with your wisdom. And I'd like to add, check out Etsy because they've got some beautiful, beautiful things to offer on there. Two, decide what you will want to include. Are you going to stick to the basics and use your book of shadows to write down the spells and rituals you use? Or are you going to create an encyclopedia of everything you know about witchcraft from the crystals you use to the gods you worship? You can, of course, change your mind over time, but it is good to start out with a basic plan. Three, figure out how you want your book to be set out. Blue Moon Circle's Book of Shadows is chronological. That is to say, it starts with the first ritual we did together, Spring Equinox 2004, and includes all the rituals that followed, added to the book as we did them, along with pictures of our group as it grew and changed. If I want to find a particular Sabbath ritual, all I have to do is leaf through the book until I get to it. But you can also do as I did with the Eclectic Witches Book of Shadows and have sections for various topics and interests such as spells, herbs, recipes, and more. Figure out how you'll be using the book as a tool for doing magical work, as a way to keep track of past work, and then decide which approach will make it easier for you to accomplish that. If you're going to do separate sections, remember to leave plenty of space to add things in the future. Four, decide where you're going to get the information you put in your book. Is it all going to come from your own personal practice, or will you be copying spells out of your favorite witchy books, getting knowledge from friends, or doing research on the internet? If you're including info from elsewhere, you might want to make a note of where you found it in case you need to track it down again later on. Five, decorate and adorn it. This is my favorite part. (laughs) If you are the crafty or creative type, and even if you're not, you may want to decorate your book from both inside and out. Some folks add sketches or drawings of herbs, symbols, and the like. If you're not artistically inclined, you could always use stickers or photos. If the front of your book of shadows isn't already decorated in some witchy way, you might want to add your own touches. And next is five tips for making an existing book of shadows your own. If you decide to use a book of shadows that was written by someone else, there is obviously less to do. On the other hand, you still might want to add a few small touches to make a book truly your own. Here are a few possibilities. One, write your name in it. This may seem somewhat simplistic, but by writing your name in the front of a book, you are claiming it as your own magical work. You can say, this book belongs to blank, or you can use your magical name if you have one. I like to use a calligraphy pen, the kind that doesn't need any practice to use, since this is not one of my skill sets, to make it look more formal. You might want to add a symbol or symbols that represent witchcraft to you. Two, Go through the book and mark the pages that have the most interest for you. You can use fancy bookmarks, dried flowers, or even post-it notes. These come in multiple colors and you can write on them so you might use one color for spells, another for herbs, and so on. Three, write down your own thoughts, experiences, and preferences. 
most of us were brought up to believe it was wrong to write in a book, (laughs) other than perhaps our college textbooks. But the Eclectic Witch's Book of Shadows was specifically designed with spaces for you to do just that. Each section has multiple places where you can add your own spells, favorite crystals, or journal about your magical experiences. If you're using some other book, you can always make those kinds of notes on separate pieces of paper and stick them inside the pages of an existing book or write along the margins. And there are also several other books available where you can write inside of them as well. I will be listing them in my references. Four, draw in it. Some books are beautifully illustrated, but that's no reason why you can't add your own sketches of herbs, symbols, or anything else that comes to mind as you use the book. It was traditional for witches to make simple drawings in their books of shadows, and you can continue that tradition in your book if you choose to. And finally, five, bless and consecrate it. Uh, And this is something that I have done with every version of my book as it has evolved over years. This is something that I like to do with any important magical tool. Basically, you can use the powers of the elements represented by salt, water, incense, candle flame, or any other things that you have on hand. You can ask any patron gods or goddesses that you may possibly work with, your ancestors, your spirit guides, whatever is comfortable for you, and they can help you to bless a book for your positive magical work. And I have actually included a spell to bless and protect your book that I also found on Llewellyn.com and I will get to in just a moment. So while these tips help you get the most effective use out of your own personal book, remember that it is exactly that, your own, and feel free to add in any ideas that you have that go beyond the ones that have been laid out here. Your tools, your rules, your magic. I hope you use it well. Okay, so finally, I have a spell to protect and bless your book. This is a spell that will protect and bless your Book of Shadows, Grimoire, or otherwise. During a waxing moon phase, you can visualize the pages of your book growing thick with wisdom and witchery. Set the book up on your workspace, light a few candles, get your favorite incense going, and set a magical mood. Now ground and center yourself. Raise your energy high, and then hold your hands, palms down, over the book. Repeat the charm while you empower the book with the powers of the four elements, knowledge, wisdom, and illumination. Repeat the following. As the moon does grow fuller and fuller each night, my book of shadows grows too in knowledge and light. By earth, air, sky, and sea, as above, now so below, the elemental powers spin and my magic holds. Okay. Now, obviously, you want to take that, and if you love it, use it. And if you want to make some tweaks to it, absolutely make some tweaks to it. But I actually love the process of blessing, consecrating, and protecting the book as if it were a very important magical tool. Um, But honestly, you make the rules. (laughs) Okay, so before I leave you, here is a list of books to reference if you want to go a little deeper into grimoires and creating a book of your own. First is a book of historical grimoires. I have Grimoires, a history of magic books by Owen Davies. Secrets of the Magical Grimoires, the classical texts of magic deciphered by Aaron Leach. I actually have that one right here. I really love that one. Art of the Grimoire, an illustrated history of magic books and spells by Owen Davies. I'm going to get that one soon. 
and The Book of Grimoires, The Secret Grammar of Magic by Claude Lecoteau. Uh, another list I have here is books about making your own grimoire or book of shadows or whatever you want to call it. First is The Witch's Book of Shadows, The Craft, Lore, and Magic of the Witch's Grimoire by Jason Mankey. The Modern Witchcraft Grimoire, Your Complete Guide to Creating Your Own Book of Shadows by Sky Alexander. Wicca Book of Shadows, A Beginner's Guide to Creating Your Own Book of Shadows and the History of Grimoires by Lisa Chamberlain. The Green Witch's Grimoire, Your Complete Guide to Creating Your Own Book of Natural Magic by Aaron Murphy Hiscock. And then finally, I have a list of journal-style guides that are kind of little books in and of themselves that they walk you through the creation of this. And when you're finished, you've got kind of a your own little personal grimoire. So the first is Grimoire, A Personal and Magical Record of Spells, Rituals, and Divinations by Aaron Murphy Hiscock. The Coloring Book of Shadows, which is Alchemy Grimoire and Book of Spells by Amy Cesari. Also, The Coloring Book of Shadows, Cottage Witch Grimoire and Book of Spells by Amy Cesari. The Shadow Work Journal, A Guide to Integrate and Transcend Your Shadows by Kyla Shaheen. A Witch's Grimoire, Create Your Own Book of Shadows by Judy Ann Nock. Lunar Witch Shadow Workbook and Grimoire, Witch Spellbook Kit for Your Own Book of Shadows by Luna Clark. The Grimoire Journal, A Place to Record Spells, Rituals, Recipes, and More by Paige Vanderbeck. And finally, The Eclectic Witch's Book of Shadows, Witchy Wisdom at Your Fingertips by Deborah Blake. So that is everything that I have for you today. I have to go let my chickens out because I can hear them screaming. <laughs> they have learned that that gets my attention, and now they use the power of their voices to bend me to their will, and I am equally proud and horrified. <laughs> but that is all that I have for you today. So please be well and have an amazing weekend. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of A is for Agrimony, coffee-stained notes on witchcraft. If you like what you've been hearing, please drop me a review wherever you're listening. If you'd like some more content, please go to aisforagrimony.com, where you can find my blog, episode archive, spells and rituals, the living grimoire, and soon to come, the coven shop. You can follow me on Instagram at a underscore is underscore for underscore agrimony. That's an underscore in between each word over on threads under the same exact handle. Or you can like my Facebook page at facebook.com slash A is for agrimony. Want to contact me? Shoot an email to reachmargo at A is for agrimony.com. And if you're interested in some exclusive bonus content, you can join the community over on Patreon at patreon.com slash A is for Agrimony, where I share early release, unedited video format episodes, weekly collective card readings, monthly spells, occasional bonus content, and more to come. Again, thank you for listening, be well, and have an amazing weekend. <laughs>